Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass, light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry, with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner DelVal. And welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, one of your co-hosts. My additional co-host with me today is Tanner DelVal. And oh, by the way, Tanner's with me every week. So Tanner, it's good to have you back. Absolutely. How are things going? Not too bad. In the, busy, aren't you? Uh, I'm always busy and you're always busy. We're all busy. It's just, a, it's just a, the the word busy is, um, you know, the w- one line I hate is when people say, I don't have time to do that. No, what they real, what you really mean is I don't want to take time to do that because you have as much time in your day as I do. And I have as much time as you do. It's just a matter of it not being a priority, right? I guess. Yeah. You're awful soft-spoken this, this, uh, during today's <laughs> show. Tanner. You're well, I mean, much here. <laughs> I know it's been a long month. You're, you're it's in the you're middle still... of winter winter meeting season, so that's yeah, that's, gonna, what, that's, that's busy. Yeah, you're 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 we're in the middle of that busy winter meeting schedule. Um, you're still trying to comprehend all of your data um, for your PhD, um, and I can't and and a small child at home, young child at home, not small, but young child at home. I cannot imagine um, doing the work that you do. Um, at the age that you are. So my, my hat is always, if I had one on, I would take it off to you, uh, but I don't have one on. So I will just nod my head to you. You know how that goes. Oh, I appreciate it, but I knew what I was getting into and uh, we'll get through it. Yeah. Always, always light at the end of the tunnel, right? Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tanner, our guest today is um, an acquaintance of mine um, has been an acquaintance of mine for at least 15 years. Um, and our guest is, um, we're going to, we're going to take today's show just a little bit different than we've ever taken this show before. Um, we have, um, with us today, Nina Johnson Pitt. Nina is, um, a senior strategist executive with Little League International. Um, and Nina is also, um, not only involved with Little League um, International, but also the mom of a um, of a 15U softball pitcher um, who she and I have reveled over um, many times the unsafe playing conditions that kids get themselves into unbeknownst to them when they show up for a game um, and the impact of those on on performance. So, we thought it would be fun to have Nina on the show with us. Um, that's my introduction of you, Nina. First, I'm going to say welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm even more excited to be on on this episode. That's going to go in a little bit different direction. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So it's um, you know we don't really have any direction when we ever start <laughs> these things, um, but it is um, casual conversation with turf grass professionals. That's how we say. You know, that's how that's our kind of our motto. Um, Nina, why don't you um, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, other than other than what I just told them about you? Sure. So uh, I've been um, with Little League for 
in my 17th year. And I started out as a regional director in Indianapolis in the central region. So got to spend a lot of time um, on a really well-maintained little league field, which spoiled me. And, and Jeff, when I when I go to travel tournaments and the, the field is not in great shape, I always say, well, Jeff Fowler said it should be better. So I'm going to blame you for <laughs> that. That can get you in trouble some places. <laughs> um, so spent a lot of time overseeing the facilities in the central region. And then a couple of years ago, I moved into this new position in strategy uh, where I get to kind of help direct the the trajectory of the Little League organization. So professionally, that's where I'm at. Um, but probably more important than that is my role as a Little League mom and parent and now travel softball mom. So um, my my role kind of in my real life has really been a nice complement to what I do with Little League. So um, with all of that together, I get to see a lot of different um, aspects of youth baseball and softball. So you definitely um, um, also it's not like um, so you, this is kind of your first exposure to um, softball, but you're going to be around it for a long time because um, your kids, I know, are ranged in age for a long time. And now you tell me that your youngest isn't a softball player, but you never know what's going to happen to them. Um, There's she'll, come, she'll come around and eventually there's hope for her. Right. Um, but you just never know um, what they're doing. But um, yeah, so so Nina, um, that's how I we, we had a long conversation about this um, in Williamsport this year during the World Series. And um, I follow you on Facebook and other social media um, where I see um, how um, mechanics are so, so important to young people. They're important to everybody, but especially important to young people learning um the the game to be proper um whether that's um you know positions on the field you know for a cutoff or you know for a backup or whatever it is but of a pitcher it's really the mechanics of of delivery right um and tell us about some of the situations that your daughter has been in and then we're going to we'll talk about other stuff too but tell us about some of the positions that she's been in um pitching that um, has my, kind of made you cringe. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was an athlete a long time ago as well. And back when we, we didn't worry as much about young athletes kind of mechanics and taking care of their bodies. So, you know, I have some aches and pains now that probably could, could have been prevented if I had better mechanics and some of what I do. And, you know, I, when my daughter started playing softball and decided she wanted to be a pitcher, just based on my own experience and my work with little league, I knew that proper mechanics would be really important to her and her success. And so, you know, I was always a mom that, you know, instead of throwing her into competition at an early age, I wanted to spend more time on her learning proper mechanics so she could be successful and, and really be invested in the long term and, and have it be fun for her. So I've worked really hard and of course invested my time and resources, money included, in pitching coaches to ensure that she had good proper mechanics that would um, would help her avoid injury. And so, you know, you invest in that, she works on that. And then we will go to tournaments or we would go to tournaments starting, you know, we, she played recreationally until she was 12 and then started to play more competitively. And so you go to a lot of these tournaments and the conditions of the, the mound, the field in general, but the mound especially was just dangerous, um, you know, because they're oftentimes the facilities are tournament factories. So they have, you know, a 43 foot mound and a, or a pitcher's plate and then a 40 and a 35. 
um, and they just kind of pull them out and and don't care for the rest of the mound. So she's, you know, we've we've had to buy um, new cleats because her cleats got ripped up on anchors that were still in the ground. She's come home complaining of of hip pain, and it's all a result of um, you know the condition of the mound and it not being safe. And on top of that, and less important than the safety is just, you know, the adjustment that she would have to make to work around some of the obstacles that were in her way. So, and anyone who knows anything about pitching knows that when you make one adjustment, it affects something else. And so you're constantly having to battle. And so that then leads to, you know, issues with her pitching and frustration. It's just, I mean, it hasn't been an ideal environment for, um, for her to be successful and for her to grow her game. I would have to imagine it's it's a challenge, you know, when when children are playing at one little league field and then they move to the next rounds and playoffs, they're going to all these different fields or they're playing travel ball and they're going to these different fields. And I, I speak probably from I mean, I was a pitcher myself and knowing that every mound is probably very different, especially at that level. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine that it probably has an impact on, on the game. I mean, obviously hitters, you know, sometimes plates are not managed the same. Um, so I could definitely see how it could be a challenge, especially when a child is developing and you're, you're teaching them proper mechanics and where they're being taught these mechanics, obviously, you know, ideally it would be on that picture. Perfect, you know, major, well, if it's major league baseball, you know, on a, on a literally the, the definition of a perfect slope mound with the with the proper you know plane and and everything like that. So, I think this discussion is necessary. That's that's a really good point, Tanner, because we actually talked about that in her training. So you're right. Generally, when you're practicing, like you're in the ideal space, right? And so we've actually talked about well, should we go to like a worse field so you can? But that that is like that's such a a terrible way to look at it, right? <laughs> like let's train in bad conditions so you're used to these worse conditions that you're it that that shouldn't be the expectation, and we shouldn't lower our expectation. You know, we we as parents when we're going to these tournaments, which we're paying a lot of money to go to, should be able to go in with with an expectation at the very minimum that the playing surface is going to be safe, right? Like who knows what you're going to get with the umpires. That's fine. That's part of the game. There are so many things you can't control, but having the expectation at a very minimum that it's going to be a safe playing surface should be what we as parents start at. And I wonder how much of the discussion from parents, you know, whether it be the coaches, I mean, a lot of the coaches have parents on the teams, you know, it seems like a lot of the things that, I don't know if it's the kids or the parents want are like aesthetic things that are not really, you know, flashy, like field safety. Isn't really flashy. Isn't something that you necessarily can see until somebody in the league gets hurt and then it's addressed. And it's like kind of everything is reactive instead of proactive. So, you know, whether it be new scoreboards or, you know, new uniforms every year or, you know, press box enhancements and, you know, concession stand stuff, which are all important, but obviously, I mean, safety should be the the paramount thing that the money gets spent on. And I wonder how much parents, a lot of it's probably just ignorance. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like they don't necessarily understand, you know, all the things that create a, a, a proper playing surface and the playing surface is everything. I mean, it is the fence. It is the grass. It's the lips. It's the clay surface. You know, on baseball and softball, what, 90% of the game is played not on grass. 
So, you know, when we get calls and I, I don't want to speak for Jeff, but I know that Jeff has done presentations and has shown some amazing pictures that are just, I couldn't imagine even drop knowing what I know, you know, in extension and looking at other fields and what a field should look like. I couldn't imagine taking my son when he starts playing in a couple of years to some of the things that I've seen. Um, it's actually scary. You're like, that's a liability waiting to happen. And we get calls and we're like, oh, I got this weed problem on this field. You know, let's address this. And I go out there. And I'm like, this is the least of your problems. You know, you should be spending your money on all of these other things first before you even think about worrying about crabgrass or some other, you know, minuscule detail, which I mean, we're turf guys. So we think that's important. But really, the safety aspect should be the, the paramount thing that parents and coaches and league managers and, and I'm sure Little League International has strong opinions on field safety for sure. So yeah, I kind of yeah. I, I kind of ranted there a little bit, but I, I think it, you know, I think it's a good starting point for the discussion. You hit on a couple of really great points there. And, and you know, I think you're right. People when they're talking about making upgrades to the field, it's like, well, we want to make, we want to, you know, the dugouts to be better. We want the dugouts to be bigger. We want, to your point, the grass to look nicer, but it, it really is. I mean, you, you're right. I go to some of these fields and it's almost, I know just enough to be dangerous. Right. So, so I, I can go in and be like, Ugh. and I've seen, I mean, she, she practiced the other day and nobody had had, drug the field. And so they're hitting ground balls, took a ground ball off a chunk in the ground. You know, she wasn't because she's big and doesn't need to wear a mask when she's playing the shortstop. And so took a ball to the face. It not to say there's not going to be a bad hop, but at least if you're, you know, dragging the field so there aren't big divots, you're not going to get those bounces. So all of those things. And I think you're right, Tanner, it's it's ignorance and not not in a bad way. It's just it's the last thing that people worry about. But until someone really gets hurt and then it's like well why didn't you do x y and z yeah so so that's kind of um the reason we bring it up on this show right it it, it wasn't just some random act of um jeff knowing nina um and wanting her on the show it really comes down to enforcing um that field safety aspect and we hope that we can get to you know if we get to one more one more person and drive home the little league um the little league field safety, or just the I, I I use little league kind of as a generic word as a youth as a youth sports label to a young sports field. Um, that we we've done our jobs right. If we can get to one more field manager and teach them the tools they need, um, I have um, I have a field safety checklist that I developed um, a number of years ago now. But it, it makes you look at things that. Um, you don't necessarily always think about, right? Like even, even as far as bleachers, um, are your bleachers safe for kids to, to climb on? Because let's face it, they're going to climb on them um, um, between games, um, even during the game, they're going to climb all over them. You know, are they safe? Are they in, are they protected the way they should be protected from foul balls? Um, before the show started, um, you know, we were talking about foul balls from other fields, um, coming in and hitting people at concession stands and all kinds of other scenarios. Um, I, I, Tanner, you've probably seen this talk, but I have a field, a talk called is my field safe. And I have some incredible pictures um, um, of, of things that we consider as field managers, we consider safe um, that I, I really question. Um, and, and, 
Nina, you 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 mentioned something there in one of your in one of your um, answers about um, field pegs on pitchers. Um, you know, for different different levels. For for so for listeners that may not be fully aware of what we're talking about, in unlike baseball, typically in softball, um, the distance from the apex of home plate to the front pitcher to the front of the pitcher's plate um, is. Um, based on age. Um, and and the younger you are, the closer you are. Um, obviously, it teaches them the um, you know to pitch um, to a to a capable distance. Um, and and in softball, um, I, I Nina, you're probably gonna have to help me here. They're like forty feet, forty two feet, forty three, you know, and then forty six feet or help me with those. thirty five, forty, and forty three. Yeah, so 40 and 43 is a real problem, right? Um if your daughter who is, you know, 5'8 um and and is is pitching and that pitcher's peg is still in at at 40 feet, um I'm not that long-legged and I can get 3 feet with a with a stride, um let alone um someone who's trying to throw a softball with force. So, um you know, Make those things safe. Think about um, think about it before you turn them loose, especially in in tournaments where we're asking people to pay, as we've already said, exorbitant amounts of money to to play on them um, and and come out. I mentioned my field safety checklist. This is a plug for it. If anybody wants a copy of my field safety checklist, um, just email us at freshcutgrass at psu.edu, and I'd be glad to send it to you um, and get that out to you so that you could use it. Um, on, on your fields back home. And some of these, the things that are on your checklist, cause I've seen it and I've seen pictures and personally I've run into, you know, just like we had talked about with these pegs in the ground, I've rebuilt probably a dozen pitchers mounds, you know, ranging from high school all the way down to, to little league um, and a softball one. And I twice have found when I'm rebuilding but literally, like we're talking like a quarter of an inch under the ground, the tops of the pegs sticking up right where the landing zone is twice. Mm-hmm. And literally, it, did, it wouldn't cost anyone any money to just go out there and literally just like scrape the dirt away or go down just a little bit just to make sure that there's nothing there. Because all it takes is, you know, maybe it's a wet game or something and some of that dirt gets removed out of there. Who knows that the, the, the patching doesn't occur that should, you know, after a game or every few games or every week or something like that. I mean, this was a massive liability that I, I mean, it was like just a quarter of an inch underneath the, it wasn't even clay. It was just like diamond text laying there and a kid, for a child to just grab for their foot when they're coming down to grab that with the bottom of their cleat or one of their cleats on their shoe, it would definitely be a severe injury or just think about something coming up through the ground like that and they go to dive for something you know dive for a ball or something crazy things happen and some of these things that you could do to improve or to look at the safety of your field especially in high traffic areas or like a pitcher's mound um, or you know fences and things like that don't cost anything to at least evaluate and probably some of the fixes are relatively cheap Um, but again I think it's just like not knowing about it so maybe if this conversation you know allows just one person to go out to their field and look at it you know you know we're in the winter right now so there's probably at least up in the northeast you know there's probably not games going on and simple things that could be done to investigate to prevent some of this stuff and i mean a lot of this stuff when something bad happens you're talking about litigation you're talking about maybe negligence you're talking about lawyers you're talking about 
um, some problems that could potentially, and I'm sure have around the country, have shut leagues down uh, or fields down. And then then children have nowhere to play. You know, so then that's obviously a big time problem. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And the, the the litigation and the negligence is one thing, but it's the injury to the player, right? Like those are the things that we have to keep a priority. And, you know, and I would say to parents and to coach coaches in travel, when you go to these tournaments, if the conditions aren't safe, advocate for your players. So these tournament directors, generally travel tournaments are for some type of profit. Fine. We all understand that. So as coaches, advocate for your players. If the mound isn't safe, ask them to fix it. Pause the game and ask them to fix it. So, I mean, I know they have a schedule to stay on, but the the safety of your players is paramount. And so be a coach that advocates for players. Walk the field. You know, if if the outfield is unsafe, if the lip is unsafe, those are conversations you should have. And don't go back to those tournaments. And same for parents, even in youth leagues. And and I know that a lot of times parents don't want to step up because right in youth leagues and little league, it's it's volunteers. And when there's an issue, it's generally the call out for people to come and fix it. But but if let's advocate and let's get out and make those fixes. And we were talking earlier about unfortunately, there's a lot of turnover in, in some little league programs. And so you know, you get some parents in that maybe have some level of knowledge um, on field maintenance, and then their kids gone and they're gone. So Leagues need to make a priority on their board, someone that has a background or that they pay to go get some training, or maybe there's a someone locally that will do it for free, some type of training on field safety and field maintenance so that there's always someone that can direct a group of volunteers to care for that field. Because those unnecessary injuries that, you know, potential litigation that's going to shut down a league are all unnecessary if we all just are a little bit more aware and take the time to make those adjustments. I was on the board of directors for our local little league association for about 20 years. Um, and we used to do it in our, um, coaches, our coaches, our mandatory coaches meeting at the beginning of the year, um, where we would take an hour, hour and a half and just go over basic, um, field safety kind of conditions that, um, how to prepare the field, how to put the field to bed after practice. Um, or after a game, um, included things like um, fixing the mound, fixing home plates, um, dragging the infield so that if it does rain overnight that we don't have um, puddles forming, we're filling those low spots in with infield mix, um, you know, all kinds of things. But we we put that right into our coaches' training um, that was mandatory for each team to have somebody present. Um, and we ask them um, to to drag the field after every practice. Um, even if there was another team coming afterward, you know, so if they were back to back to back on practices, we would say, Hey, drag between practices. Um, so that team B has the same field conditions that you had when you got there for, for team A. So it takes five minutes max to, to take a, a a mat drag and run it around the infield of a, of a little league or a, a youth sports field. Um, take that five minutes and fill in the holes and and put a little water on them because we've talked about it on this show time and time and time and time and time and time again. Water is the glue um, to to infield mix, right? So taking dry infield mix and throwing it in a hole doesn't do anything. You got to add water. That's the glue that holds it all together. Um, and I've told this this story on this show prior. Um, but it kind of summarized what you two were talking about earlier in that I got called one time to a uh, local high school 
um, which will remain nameless, which will remain remain nameless. That's a tongue tie, a tongue twister. Um, they wanted to know where they could put their where they should put their brand new scoreboard. Um, this was 20 years ago, so it was a twenty thousand dollar scoreboard, which isn't a lot in today's scoreboards. You know, money's in scoreboards today, but 20 years ago, it was a lot of money for a scoreboard um, to drop that kind of dime. And um, as I went out to to talk to them, um, I just about tripped over the 12 inch lip um, on the edge of the field. And I said, you know, are you sure that a, um, a a new scoreboard is what you really want to spend your resources? Oh, we already have one. You know, the neighboring league has one like this and we need to have one like that. Um, I was like, man, you need to really address the safety issues on, you know, first base side. You have literally a 10 or 12 inch lip. Um, they're like, no, it's okay. Nobody, you know, nobody's ever been hurt. And I was like, yeah, there you go. Jinx in that. Um, two weeks later, they called me back and wanted me to come make recommendations on how to fix the field because their star first baseman that had had number, a number of division one um, offers um, was their first baseman tripped chasing down a foul ball and and broke his right arm um so you know ended ended that opportunity over a over a silly safety thing that could have been very easily fixed for sure and i think that happens i think that happens a lot and you're right i think you know sometimes leagues when they have a little bit of money to spend on the facility will choose something that's a little shinier it's like like do you want to paint your car do you want to buy new tires everybody's going to pick painting their car over buying the new tires. Yeah. They're not as flashy, but um, in the long run, they certainly are a a wiser investment because literally, um, I mean, I I have seen fences um, outfield fences that are duct taped to the post um, to keep them in place. So in my opinion, um, not only is that negligence um, it's also saying Hey, we recognize that there's a problem, and the way we decided to fix it was with duct tape, um, or you know, strap tape or whatever, um, instead of fixing it right. Um, so that shows even more negligence in my mind. I don't know. I'm not an attorney, and nor am I an insurance adjuster, but um, you know, it just shows um, poor effort, right? If you're going to fix it, fix it right. Spend it. Spend the money. Um, prioritize your resources and and put clay on pitchers mounds um, so that, um, you know, you don't have to have um, young people coming in to use poor mechanics. Um, You know, what's the worst you've ever seen for your daughter? Oh, um, you know what? One of the worst was at this, and this is a USSA national tournament down in Gulf Shores last year. Um, So uh, again, a a tournament we paid a lot of money to go for as families, we spent a lot of money. And this is probably my Facebook post that you saw, but literally the ball, when it was rolled out there, if you were standing, you could, it was in the, 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 um, lane that the pitchers had drug, you couldn't see the ball. It was such a deep hole that once it rolled into it, the ball was buried in the hole. You couldn't see it. So just a huge divot that these pitchers are trying to, to pitch out of. And, and again, it's, you know, safety is first and foremost, my concern, but also these kids, this was a 14 U, so they're still learning, right? Like she has a lot of different pitches. And so to, trying to, you know, get the angle to throw a rise ball or her drop off from it, it, it just really messes with everything they're trying to do, which leads to frustration, which, and again, we shouldn't have to, to tell our kids, well, you need to figure it out and, and work out of it. And we, they should have a surface that they 
can play from. And and then another really bad one, and this was a field in um, the Indianapolis area, but they had those um, broken off pegs still in the ground. And so she would, um, her drag leg would catch on those pegs. I mean, and ripped her, we had to buy new cleats that ripped her cleats apart. Um, her foot was bruised um, and then hips just all out of whack from it hitting. You know, you're, that's, it is a lot of force. And so with your drag, you're hitting that and it's throwing. And then of course, everything else is messed up from there. So, um, it, though, and as we've talked about, those things are all easy fixes. Um, if they just maintained and, and cared for the field properly and, and invested a little bit in repairing the mound after every game. So I remember one time, um, playing in a baseball tournament, not for myself, but for a team that I was helping coach, um, where the hole in the front of the mound in front of the pitching rubber was so bad that you couldn't see the pitcher's foot. Um, it had buried that deep. Um, and I told the, I told the, the, the kid that was pitching, um, as a coach, I said, go out and stand behind the mound, um, put your foot up on the flat spot where you're not going to get hurt. Um, it was, it was an ankle, it was an ankle waiting to be broken. Um, and, um, umpires were not agreeing with my my philosophy on putting your foot in a safe spot um and it turned into a lot more of a discussion than it ever should have um but you know it's it, it a six foot divot in front of the the pitcher's mound is ridiculous um let alone a, a whole pitching lane for a softball pitcher um that as i say as i like to say you can if you filled it with water you could have a fairly successful fishing tournament tanner i oh, mean yeah. you, you know, you could take one of those low spots and throw a couple of bass in it, and you could put your boat out there and probably win a tournament on it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so it kind of drives home what why we even have this episode or why we have this discussion is for our listeners, you know, kind of the crazy things that we do, right? And and we've had the discussion on this show before um about you know synthetic fields. Um, and if if um, you know, and, and that we don't necessarily support having synthetic, we're natural grass people. We like baseball and softball belong on natural grass. Um, and, and, but we're, we're, we're driving home the, Hey, why don't we just put in a synthetic field and we don't have to worry about any of this. Um, if we, if we don't um, pay attention to field safety and, and that's a, that's a lame excuse as well. I've seen, um, I've seen four, I've seen four, four inch, um, four by fours buried in the um in front of the pitcher's mound so that the pitcher with metal spikes could get their foot in um into the in you know get um a good push um unfortunately that was actually at a semi-pro level um it, it's like really um and i was asked to come do a field safety demonstration at this particular field so i'm i'm digging out the four by four um and I'm like, how how can we even talk about fixing clay? Because I got all I got to do, I got to take this four by four and take it down to the shop and sand it off before I put it back in. Um, being a little sarcastic, of course. Yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible the things that you know I've seen over the years in these fields, and I feel like it's probably gotten better since like you know when we were younger. But I still think that there's a lot of room for um, for improvement. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would agree. And, you know, Jeff, you made a really good point about the synthetic. And unfortunately, you know, and I, I'm a purist as well. I want it to be played on a natural surface, but, but you're right. What happens is because 
the natural surfaces are so poorly maintained, people then say, well, we should just go to synthetic because then we don't have to maintain it. But that has its own issues as well. Um, and so again, the the easy the easy solution is just to get folks that understand and can properly maintain those fields. And they have the tools that they need and they have people holding them accountable. So parents and coaches and umpires too. So umpires are in charge of the playing surface once the game starts. The umpires that everyone at the end of the day is advocating for the safety of the players. Like if we could all just keep that in mind, that that's Absolutely. why we're there for the safety uh, of the players and the their enjoyment of the game. Um, if that was really where we all started from, I think we would all land on, you know, pulling together to make sure that the playing surfaces were safe. No doubt. No doubt. Tanner, do you have anything that we need to talk about um, before we, before we close out this episode? No, I don't think so. It's, if she has anything she wants to add. Um, yeah. I was going to say, Nina, if you have something you want to add to the conversation while you're doing that, I'm going to call to the bullpen and get the pitchers warmed up out there for our traditional ending to our, our podcast. Did I, did I tell you about this part of the show where, where we, Try to strike you out at the end of a at the end of the episode. I have a lot of useless knowledge in my head, so I feel like this is going to be tough. But make sure the bullpens are uh, well maintained as well. Well, <laughs> remember who you're talking to here, right? <laughs> um, so I feel bad for for because um, I have we have Nina spoiled in Williamsport when she comes there to help us. Um, well, we go there to help her. Um, <laughs> Um, run pull out pull that tournament off because um, I was going to say this earlier but you know the reverse of what you said um, was you know we should have we should teach these kids to pitch um, at a lower level one of my favorite favorite things in Williamsport and one of my favorite stories to tell is when one of the managers came out between games there wasn't anything going on um, they were playing the next game and they asked me if I could get a hole dug in the pitcher's mound in front of the pitching rubber. And I said, absolutely not. And they said that that's what they were used to pitching on. And I said, I understand completely, but that's not what we're, that's not safe. And that's not what we're providing for you to pitch on here in Williamsport. And they were pretty defiant. Um, but I, I know I won that battle um, because I can just call management, uh, you know, call people <laughs> like Nina, call people like Nina and Pat Wilson and, you know, all those um, folks and say, what do I do? What do you want me to do? We'll dig a hole if you want us to. But um, we know what that answer is going to be. They want it to be a safe playing surface for everybody. And that includes having those things pitch or having those pitchers mounts fixed up. That's funny because that, when that question comes up and it, it does every year, every couple of years where there's, they have an issue with the mound. And I always, before I even go to you all, talk to the coach and say, well, what's the issue with the mound? And they they come up with something. And it always ends up saying, I always end up saying, there's nothing wrong with the mound. You're just not used to pitching on a regulation mound. That's the issue. And so we're not gonna, we're not gonna rip it up and give you a bad mound because that's what you're used to playing on, unfortunately. So maybe if all of the other leagues, you know, had a proper mound, we wouldn't have that conversation come up in Williamsport. You know, you know what? I uh, this is kind of personal. Uh, this is personal information about myself, but I'm going to make it public today. When I die, I'm going to be cremated. And when I'm cremated, I want my some of my ashes to go to the Little League World Series. And when somebody complains about the mound, 
I want someone to say, yes, I know what can fix that. And I want them to run into the dugout and grab my ashes and take some of them out and sprinkle them on the mound and say, that's the magic dust that'll fix it. <laughs> Do we need to edit that? Do we need to edit that part out or can we leave it in there? I love oh. it. I don't know that I'm going to be able to allow that, but it's a good story to tell. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, the, that's the way I'm going with it. <laughs> anyway, um, Nina, Nina Johnson-Pitt, thanks so much for joining us today, um, talking about field safety, um, primarily um, uh, from, a, from a mom standpoint, but from a little league official as well, and how important it is to the not only the safety, but also the um, enjoyment of the game. Um, so, Nina, the way this thing ends here every time we're on the show is Tanner and I have three random questions that we want to give to our listener or to our, our guests, and they give us three random answers. But the first one that we always ask is a pretty easy one. It's not one that requires much thought. Okay. What do you enjoy doing? What are your hobbies? What do you enjoy doing when you're not? Um, a little league official um, worried about um, the mechanics of your daughter's pitching. Well, you know, I have three kids, so I, I don't get to do much outside of the three kids, but um, so love the beach. That's why we, we uh, live pretty close to the beach now. So I like spending time there. I'm also a big foodie. So I like to cook and eat. And then when I have other spare time, I'm a big reader. love to read, love to consume any information that I can, all genres. I'm still stuck on food. <laughs> I grew up in a restaurant. My, my parents had a restaurant, a bar and restaurant. So it is. And if I like, if this little league thing doesn't work out, probably the direction I'm going to have to go. It's open a little beach bar and restaurant. Yeah. Like make, like a little pop-up bar or something mm -hmm. right along the beach. You can yep. just have, you and your husband could have to tear it down every night and put it away and bring <laughs> it back out. Or <laughs> pop it up, pop-up tent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Tanner, what do you have? Yeah, so I ask a lot of questions about food, so I'm going to go <laughs> on that topic. And since you like to cook food, I got it's like a two part question. What's a what's your favorite thing to cook for for your family? Um, and then the unless it's the same answer, what's something that you like to make that's very quick? You know, like it's you know a staple that you you make mm -hmm. maybe once a week or once a month. And uh, it's quick because I'm always looking for something fast, but good. Yeah. So if anyone ever wants to kidnap me, tacos is the way. Um, so yeah, the quick meal and what we have once a week would be tacos of some sort. And so, um, I mean, I, and my kids just like the regular like ground beef ones, but I'll do chicken and fish and, um, you know, carnitas and, um, and with chips and salsa. Uh, and then my favorite thing to cook so it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, you know what? Can I, can I go with baking? Yeah. So I like, I make a mean chocolate chip cookie. Uh, like, uh, are they, you know are they, are they like soft or like, are they hard ones? No, they have to be soft. Like I like mine a little bit underbaked typically like a little gooey in the middle, but, um, but yeah, like, so it's the saw and then that like a little crispy on the edge. So you can like the dip in milk. That's the way I like them. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Jeff, I'm gonna have to bring some to the World Series this year. I was gonna say you're gonna you're tempting me with this I and know. not like <laughs> delivering these because now you I know you drive to the series now, so you, you know there's no excuse. Yeah, uh, but you okay. know, but I'm making it. You know, Nina, I was 17 and had moved away from home 
before I knew that you were supposed to eat brownies cold. Ah. My mom loved to make brownies and we love, I had, I have two brothers and we love to eat fresh baked brownies, but I was 17 before I knew that you could eat brownies when they weren't scalding hot. Yeah. Just like peel the skin off the, t- the roof of your mouth. <laughs> that's That's good to learn at 17. That's good. I've yeah, got a, well, I'm a little slower than most. I've kind of got a, I like tacos and I do make them a lot. So I'm curious, I'm going to ask a series of questions about tacos. So soft shell <laughs> or hard shell? Soft shell. Soft shell. Okay. Yeah. I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, sour cream or no sour cream? Oh, sour cream it has to be the supreme. Mm-hmm. All right. So lettuce, yes or no? So it depends on the taco. Like if I'm doing, if I'm getting fancy and doing like a fish taco or even like, like a pork taco, I actually want cabbage, like a little cabbage, a little salted cabbage with some lime juice. Um, But like, if I'm in like Taco Bell mode, then yeah, I want like the sour cream and the lettuce and the tomato, but I typically like a little fancier. All right. Taco sauce. Okay. Taco sauce. Yes or no. Like I'm not opposed to it, but again, not on every taco. Like I'll put it on my Taco Bell taco. Like we have a whole container of the Taco Bell sauces that we just. Oh, okay. <laughs> how about how about? Oh, I assume cheese. That's got to be. Oh right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what's what's the seasoning your go to? Like, is it just like the regular taco seasoning, or do you have like a special one that you use? So I like um like the I like strong cumin, or I'll use like um cilantro. Like my kids don't like it as much as I do. So we usually have to do like two batches of meat, like the adult batch and the kid batch. And I like mine a little spicier. So like I'll use the traditional taco seasoning, but I usually don't have that. So then I have to like mix it up of whatever I have or whatever tastes good. So my kids, my mom did this and I do it to my kids. They're like, what's the recipe? I'm like, I don't know. You just put in a little of this, like whatever you like. They're like, there's no recipe. And I'm like, no, just figure it out. So, but you know what my new taco is? And I'm, I'm probably going to butcher how to say this, the birria taco. Have you heard of those? Okay, no. I'm sending you that. You have to make it. It's amazing. Send you the recipe. Fair so enough. good. All right. So now that our foodie section of the show <laughs> is over, this one's going to take a little forethought or a little bit of thought on your part, Nita. Okay. I would need you to assume that the everyone in the world is not opposed to smoking a cigar. Okay. Okay. No one's offended by the smoke. So, you know, everybody um, is not offended by that. Who are the five people, dead or alive, that you would want to sit down and smoke a cigar with? Five. Okay, first is Michael Jordan. Because I just feel like he'd be, he was my idol, my number in all my sports. Um, And I just think he's like would be a cool dude to smoke a cigar with. Um, and he would smoke one with you. He would. He, I, there's that. I have that. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, number two. Um, wow, this Can is, I ask this, why? Uh, I would just be really interested to hear her perspective in fighting for um, women's rights throughout the course of her career and um, and just understanding, understanding the journey that she took and how she balanced what she did mm-hmm. as Great. a working mom, um, 
in a in a time when working moms weren't really supposed to be. Um, a working mom before work, being a working mom was cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then the number three would be um, my maternal grandfather who died before I was born, who um, came over from Germany, had a really interesting life. Uh, he died a couple years before I was born. So I'd love to hear more about him and smoke a cigar with him. Uh, what, that's three? Yep. Um, gosh, number four. This is a tough one. I told you it was going to take a little I bit know. of fun. And it's interesting because I like have a pretty small circle of people that I'm generally with. So like, I don't have, I don't. Yeah. So, um, so while you're thinking about it, I tell people all the time, it makes you kind of think about, you know, who, who you would want to, who, who would you want to hang out with if, mm-hmm. if, if you had the chance to just sit down or learn from somebody? Yeah. Um, So another one would be, you know, I'd also really like to sit down with Billie Jean King. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Just as an advocate for women's sports and for, um, I think it would be really cool to sit down and, and hear some of the things that she dealt with and, um, and why she's now, how her advocacy is um, today. Um, because I'm a, a huge advocate for um, women in sports and understand the power that they have, especially for girls. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's see. Another really interesting one. We're at four, so you just have one more. You know what? This is like I'm a little bit of a history nerd, especially like Civil War history. So probably Abraham Lincoln. Ah. Abraham Lincoln was Abraham Lincoln's on my list. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's Abraham Lincoln's on my list as well. Yeah. So I feel like that's a pretty diverse group of people, and we could we could blow through some stogies and have some good conversation. Yeah, that would you you would not be um, you would not be short of conversation mm-hmm. with any of those five. That's for sure. I know mm-hmm. I don't know your maternal grandfather, but the other four we would not be short of conversation. Yeah. I think he'd fit right in, sure. You know what one of my favorites, when we ask that um, question, one of my favorite answers, and I say this every week that I ask this question, but for your information, one of my favorites is um, we got given the answer Babe Ruth at a modern day baseball game. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay, so we're going to pick Babe Ruth up and take him to the Phillies Pirates game. Um, and, and ask him what he thinks of the game. Mm. That would be interesting to me. Now, that would be that, really interesting. Now, so the, the problem with that one is the person that I ask it um, actually had some time to think about it. They weren't mm. on the show. They had um, they had some time to think about it, but that's a pretty cool one. The other cool one um, that I've been given is um, my namesake, my great-grandfather, when he was my age. Mm. Um, so, you know, this was from our son who, you know, but um, our son said, I would like to smoke a cigar with my great grandfather when he was my age. Mm. So it's kind of like Babe Ruth at a modern day game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So 
Anyway, Nina, thanks so much for joining us today on, on Fresh Cut Grass. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'll remind our listeners that um, they can get a hold of Tanner and I, or they can get a hold of my field safety checklist um, by sending us an email at freshcutgrass at psu.edu. And uh, we'll get back to you just as quick as we can. Tanner, I'm going to let you close us out again today. And it's been another great show. Yeah, no, that was a great discussion. Um, definitely having a perspective um, from Nina and Little League and also being a, a mom of, you know, several children that, that play sports. Um, I think that was a great episode. And hopefully, you know, the listeners get something out of it. Like I said, I think it's worth it if one person, you know, makes a change at their facility um, that could potentially keep a child or a player or maybe even a parent or a coach or something safe. Um, so other than that, I uh, really appreciate um, her joining us today. And we will talk to all the listeners next time.